Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Bathurst 12 Hours. This, This is RS1. Is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everybody and welcome along to a special programme from Radio Show Limited and our network of channels. I'm John Hindoff. We're getting ready once again to head to Mount Panorama, one of the legendary circuits around the world that we are very privileged to go to and watch motor racing. It's the Liquimoli Bathurst 12 hours for 2018 and time to have a look at the runners and riders of the 53 cars that are on the entry list. Richard Creel joins me uh, who will be joining me in the uh, uh, Seven Sport commentary booth and uh, the Radio Show Limited commentary booth for our coverage of that. Uh, Creelsy, first of all, welcome back to the airwaves and welcome back for another mouth-watering entry list for the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 Hours. Uh, g'day, JH. Nice to speak to you. Uh, now, I'm just going to get this out of the way from the very start and just say 4-0 and leave it at that and we'll move on with life. I think we can still uh, win those... 5-4 though, can't we? Yeah, no, it just no, nah, it means nothing, does it? Really? Let's be honest. For those that uh, don't no, know, nice to talk to you. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Rich. For those that don't know, uh, this is all about uh, a, a small red ball, or it's sometimes a pink yes. ball, but a small red ball and a bit of willow. Uh, yes, yes, it's all about the ashes. Um, serious Changes ma- the fate of nations. Certainly, <laughs> certainly does, mate. Certainly does. Yeah. Um, there's a whole. We, you and I, should do an ashes podcast about the advantage of playing major test series on home ground, actually, because. Yeah. It's, it's been a bit great. of a nightmare uh, recently for those of us who, okay, it's nice to see your home nation win, but it's also nice to see a, a bit of a contest, but we'll leave that for another time. Um, a 53-car entry that is from top to bottom mouth-watering in the GT3 or the uh, the Pro and Pro-Am classes uh, and the BC and I invitation class. And I'm going to start with the I class because that is particularly Australian uh, with the Mark Cars uh, Australian uh, guys, Australia guys uh, in force there with all bar a, a couple uh, of the entries. And that goes to the Daytona guys who are also um, particularly uh, Bathurst and uh, Australian focused. Uh, the key thing here is the debut, the world, the global debut of the new Mark Cars Australia weapon. This is the Mark II, uh, still with a V8. A couple of good teams uh, running, uh, good teams of drivers running these cars. How does the car differ from the cars that we've seen both in Mazda 3 and Ford Focus shape in the past? And we've got so used to see and love seeing around the circuits of the world. Yeah, it's it's basically an evolution of the idea, and, and the idea was to start and build a a car that could do a twenty four hour race without any dramas, understressed, safe, reliable, easy to fix if it breaks mm. or gets crashed into or crashes into other things, uh, but still has a level of performance that means it's exciting to drive, but without the cost of uh, a GT three style vehicle. So. Those first cars, which made their debut at Bathurst in 13, um, were were the, the first variation on that theme. And they've since built 14 of those cars and they've raced all around the world. Uh, I know they're a staple in the Creventic series and they mm. perform really well there. They've they've generated a really good fan base. Um, yeah. 
And there's a lot of pride about them in the Aussie industry as well, because 90% of the cars built within about a hundred Ks of their Gold Coast base. So they're, um, they're a bit of Aussie ingenuity on the, the international endurance racing scene. The Gen 2 car is the development. It's everything they've learned from their first generation of cars and, and put into this new chassis. So some design tweaks, um, improved safety, of course, but they're going to a, a sleeker uh, coupe-style body, so the car will be lower. It'll have better aero, um, and it'll have a bigger engine with more horsepower, so up to about 600 horsepower now. More so nothing, um, nothing for us not to like there, Krelsey, no, uh, to no, be I honest. I think it ticks all the boxes, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's going to be a good thing. Um, and they'll, they'll run in a subclass of the Invitational class because they do have a, a significantly increased level of performance to the other cars. So the, the benchmark lap time in that class at Bathurst is 2.10 for a majority of the cars. The Mark II cars, though, will be able to run to 2.06. Um, so they're four seconds a lap quicker, which around that place is a reasonable whack of time so yeah, they're going to be really interesting um they may have some new car itis uh, for their first run but that, that team's got an amazing finishing record there so i wouldn't surprise me if they perform very well and when you say they are building on what they've learned krilsey they've learned a lot with customer teams yeah. in the international endurance series the creventic hankook 24-hour series uh, like vds racing adventures who won their category the sp2 championship last year they've started the year pretty well they won the dubai mm. hankook 24-hour series uh, 24-hour race rather in class so it's, so it's not as if the original car didn't have some endurance chops but it was in fairness it was never designed for that it, it kind of fell into that rule because it was so well put together in the first place and the concept was so good yeah yeah exactly right absolutely and, and the new car will be a variation on that and when i say it's everything they've learned um they didn't want to go through and do an enormous amount of development in terms of major upgrades on the existing car so of course they they tweaked them and they developed the engineering behind it, but they didn't want to go and throw body panel changes at it. They didn't want to throw major geometry changes or power plants at the existing cars. So to keep them all uniform, you've got a better understanding of what's going on when you've got this fleet of cars racing around Australia and around the world. So they've put everything, all the notes they've taken from those cars, they've put into the design of this new one yeah. to, to re-engineer the wheel, come up with a new concept, you know, move the evolution along a couple of steps and, and come up with this Gen 2 racer. So, um, and, and Bathurst is, you know, th there aren't many races around that allow that kind of car to compete. Um, the 12 hour has always had an invitational class for cars that sit outside the rules. Um, and, and some people don't like it. And I understand that from their perspective, but I think it adds just a whole different level of storytelling to the race and Great. it allows that real battle of privateer spirit to continue to be involved in it when perhaps you can't go and afford a, a gt3 car or you don't want to race a three-year-old gt3 car because you know you're not going to be competitive so why not go for a class victory instead if you're not used to these cars go and look them up uh, ryan mcleod's done a, a cracking job they are all big v8 engines the ford coyote crate motor effectively driving the rear wheels so whether it looks like a, a mazda or a ford focus or whatever other body panels get thrown on that car uh, in the future it, it is a rear drive car the other two cars in the invitational class are both from daytona sports cars one 
being the fan favourite Daytona Coupe uh, and the other one being the fan favourite Dodge Viper. (laughs) This is another set of guys who don't do things A, by half and don't necessarily Mm. follow convention. It would have been easy for those guys to go and buy a Porsche or a Ferrari or an Aston or or whatever and, and go GT racing. No, no, no. Let's go and do something slightly different and they've been great supporters of this race as well yeah they've entered a car every year for the last five years and and they're running two cars this year which is great so they parked the daytona coupe last year and ran a what was the the early generation gt3 dodge viper um with a few little tweaks had a different gearbox so it actually broke the gt3 homologation so that's why they run it in the invitational class but they're big fans on the whole massive engine under stress driveline <laughs> thump around the mountain uh, and not worry too much about aero and things like that um, but the Daytona Coupe remains the fastest car clocked down Conrod Strait at a lazy 308.7 kilometers an hour oh my God. Uh, which is pretty remarkable so it's pulling out and passing million dollar GT3 cars at ease uh, which is hilarious and to which the team takes great delight. Uh, and in particular last year when their Viper pulled out and passed a, an AMG GT3 down Conrad Strait, they thought that was quite cool yes. because the AMG follows the same big engine, big car, thump down the hill kind of mentality. So they're a great outfit. I remember a couple of years ago that Daytona broke quite badly and mm. they did the overnight road trip down the Hume Highway to Melbourne, saw some parts, drove back up, and ended up getting in the race about three laps after it started early in the morning. So they're that kind of privateer. Just There's no obstacle. We'll throw everything at it. We'll get the car on the grid. And then how it plays out, well, we're there. Let's just see what happens. But they're, they're a great outfit. And by the way, 308.7 kilometres an hour. For those that work in MPH, that's... 191.817 <laughs> miles yes. per hour. Uh, this from a team who don't do a lot of air roll work. They did bolt a bit of extra plywood on, and I'm I'm not kidding about this. It was a bit of ply yeah. when they first decided the front well, end. What, what of else the do you need to make a front? That's what a front splitter is, isn't it? A bit of plywood underneath. I love those guys. They, they may not who needs carbon. <laughs> yes, indeed. They, they may not be on the overall podium. They'll be battling uh, with that. Uh, phalanx with the squadron of marked cars and they'll be having fun and we'll be keeping an eye on the speed gun as well for those guys that's group i the invitational class uh, group c i uh, class c should i say i am delighted to say which is basically a gt4 what we know is an international gt4 class bmws uh, a pro for uh, Cayman, Porsche, a couple of KTMs and three, Janetta Australia uh, entered Janetta G55s. Now, I'm very, very happy, Creelsey, to see a growth in GT4. I-, I think there could be more GT4 cars and I think ultimately in the next few years we will be talking about a few more GT4 cars. But this is a nice clutch of cars. The the, the newest versions of the BMW is that M4 GT4. It made its debut in an unhomologated form at Dubai 24 hours back in 2017. So it's, it's barely a year old and these are some of the first customer cars that have found their way down to Australia. Yeah, they are. And it's very exciting. And BMW Australia has got quite a role in this. So there is a factory involvement in that. So uh, a couple of the cars being run by BMW Team SRM that will run 
one of the outright cars. Um, as to the growth of this class, it is great to see. And I think, I think to be honest, we've probably reached about the average number of GT3 cars now. So we're yeah. at 28 GT3 cars. I think we had 29 last year and 27 the year before. I think that's where it's at. I think yeah. that's the number. And this race, I, I will confidently say, will never be like the Spa 24-hour, which is just 60 GT3 cars. I don't think that's how it will go. This is the class where there'll be growth. Mm -hmm. So we might have 25 GT3 cars and 20 GT4 cars down the road as that category gains momentum, especially here in Australia. So in the past, there really hasn't been a place for those cars to race throughout the year here. But um, in 2018, they'll be part of the Australian GT Championship, much like they are in British GT. Um, So they've got a home, they can run. So people are investing in them. They're buying these cars and and thus they're entering them in the 12 hour. But there is some manufacturer involvement. BMW, KTM's gone to two cars, which is great to see. Um, the Genettas are all a bit of a mystery at the moment. They haven't named a lot of their drivers yet. I suspect that will come together in the intervening few days before we go motor racing. But the BMWs are cool. One of those cars, and, and I know you're a, a fan of history at Mount Panorama mm. in particular, and indeed Australian motor racing. So... Tony Longhurst, who's a former winner of the 12-hour back in the production car days and a two-time winner of the Bathurst 1000 as well, will team up with a couple of third-generation racing drivers with very famous surnames. One of them is Aaron Seaton, whose granddad, Bo Seaton, won the 1965 Hardy Ferodo 500 at Mount Panorama way back when, and his dad, Glenn, is a two-time Australian Touring Car Supercars champion. Uh, and the other driver's got a fairly handy surname of Brabham. Young Matthew, uh, son of Jeffrey, will be uh, making his 12-hour debut. It's a great team. It's a great storyline, and it's going to be good fun to watch with those three surnames. Uh, yeah, a, a perfect mix of experience and uh, youthful experience, because it, it's fair to say that both Messrs. Uh, Seaton and Brabham are not short of time behind the wheel of yeah. cars. Tony Longhurst has driven... I mean, if you cut him in half, would he would he actually have the BMW roundel uh, in his in his oh, goods? I would have thought so. Because yeah. I, I can't yeah. think of him driving very much else. No, race race Holdens and Fords in supercars, but of outside of that, he has been been a BMW favourite through the Super Touring days and before yeah. that with the JPS team, and then the Frank Gardner team in uh, the eighties against the Nissan GDRs and the Sierras here. He fought the lone hand, uh, hand for BMW for some time. And, um, yeah, he, he was in the M6 GT3 last year in that power pack combination with, with Mark Scaife and Timo Glock, unfortunately, and Russell Ingle. That didn't end particularly well. Um, but he was an early sign-up to the GT4 category. His point, and he said this, where he's at in his career for driving, that's exactly the kind of package that he wants. So he's he's bought the car, um, Boatworks Racing will run it, and uh, he's got a couple of really good young drivers alongside him. So it's a really exciting car. I can find him racing uh, way back into the 80s and before. So he's got a bit yes. of experience. Uh, yeah. He raced, he raced in the, the Frank Gardner factory BMW team here in 1985 when it was we went to group a touring car regulations and he was jim richard's teammate in the mighty group a 635 csis so he's been racing way back then he was the hot young talent back then uh and uh, he continues to race to this day which is cool and and this will please nick dearman um uh, he uh, 
back in '83, he raced a, a Chevy Camaro uh, for the Mike Bergman team, but um, he won. In 1984, the Alfa Romeo Alfa Sud series. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes. Which? Yep. It's one of his many claims to fame. Yeah, Tony. Yeah. Yep. Former uh, water skiing champion. Yes. As well. Yeah. Interestingly All about the balance, uh, and that might be a factor. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on. So that that GT4 category that we uh, are in at the moment. Uh, looking very strong, um, top to bottom. Um, I, I didn't ask you about the invitational class. I mean, it, it, it's hard to pick out any winners at, at this. It's hard to pick out any winners with 20 minutes left uh, <laughs> in the Liquid Molly Bathurst, uh, uh, Bathurst 12 hours. Um, do you see anything in the I class that, that sticks out? I mean, you've got to look at those two new Mark cars, uh, Gen 2 cars, Keith Casilke, Rod Salmon and Will Brown in one, Aaron Cameron, uh, Morton Haber and Jake Camilleri. He knows his way mm. uh, around the mountain as well. But as you said, they might have a bit of new car itis in that. So, so have you got a pick in the Invitational class? Yeah, look, I, I think I think the Kasulki Salmon, Will Brown, Will, Will's a terrific young talent here. He's racing then the, the second tier supercars, uh, open wheel champion at, at two different levels in Australia. He's a real rising star. Rod's won the race twice in the production career, and Keith's driven everything with four wheels. Despite his dramas in recent years, he's a ripper driver. I, I think they're on balance, probably the strongest of the Mark Car combinations overall. Um, but the Ben shoots out of a macro Michael Kane Daytona entry, which is the Viper. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very good all round combination. They're, they're what you'd call AM drivers, but they're, they're all pretty handy and, and they all know how to drive that car in particular. So it's probably between those two, I would have okay. thought. Um, from a class C point of view, um, the BMWs are the great unknown because they've mm-hmm. never run here. So this is the first year they've been eligible to run. Um, Pro Sport Performance back with that Cayman Pro 4 you mentioned with much the same lineup that they had last year, which delivered them the class victory. Um, It's hard to split them and either one of the KTMs. I think they're both pretty strong, but the Justin McMillan, Crampton, Tim Macro, Caitlin Woodcar is probably the stronger. Um, But that that BMW that we talked about is fantastically competitive. So I think it'll be between those three. And and the the thing is, again, I'll make the point for the M4 GT4. It might be its first race in anger in terms of an international race. But that car's had a year of development under its wheels. Not particularly that chassis, but that particular uh, formula car from BMW uh, has had a year of en- proper endurance racing It's done, and it's done pretty well before they finalised the homologation they put it through the ringer uh, around the world uh, in uh, quite a lot of the, the Creventic races um, a 12 hour an endurance race wouldn't be an endurance race without Porsches and the Porsche class I'm delighted to say is, uh, is well represented again a small but perfectly formed 5 uh, Porsche entry in the uh, Porsche category, which is Class B, uh, a variety of uh, of Porsches in there. But we've said this before: a really cost-effective way to go motor racing is to take a, a cup car, uh, even if it's not the most up-to-date version. And we have got a 997 uh, there, I noticed, for on-track motorsport. Um, stick a bigger tank in it, do the endurance updates that are readily available from Porsche and from Manti and various other people and stick it on a track because they tend to do what Porsches do, which is go round and round, Grilsy. Yeah, exactly right. And it wouldn't be a, a Bathurst Enduro without this class and the, and the venerable cup car 
pounding around. Um, and the, the defender, well, two-time winners of this race, the, the Stephen Grove mm-hmm. team, they've won it twice. Um, and that's a great story because his son, Brenton, will be joining Stephen for the first time. So um, father and son combination. Brenton raced all three last year in the GT3 Cup Challenge. He's moving into Carrera Cup. Uh, this year, so he's a handy little driver. They've got Benny Barker back, so real quality international input there. Stephen, though, has never been more prepared for this. And right. uh, in in advent of Carrera Cup Australia, going to the, the Gen 2 991 Cup car, the one-make racer this year, end of last year, he was at Circuit of the Americas doing the Creventic race there. And he also did Dubai because he could race that new Gen Cup car. And he figures now that uh, he's done some 24-hour races. How hard can a 12-hour be? So he's um, he's very enthusiastic about it, and and that's a, a great combination. But again, those that Porsche battles fantastic, and often we've seen that decided by mere seconds rather than laps at the end of a long race. But th- those cars just keep lapping, don't they? And they almost fly under the radar. And you go, hang on a minute, how did they end up in 15th place? They've they've crept up amongst these GT3 cars that have had some dramas and just keep circulating at, you know, 210 to 11 all day. Yeah, and, and uh, Stephen Grove, along with uh, Danny Stitt and Sam Fillmore, took the runners-up class in that yeah. uh, Porsche 991 Cup car. It was the 50, the frame car, wasn't it? I I saw that. <laughs> it went past me. I tried to follow it, but it was quicker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> quite frankly, it was in a different class. It wasn't too bad. Um, yeah, it, that's interesting. That's, I think Steve's been very, uh, Stephen Grove's been very, very sensible in that. I wouldn't count out the uh, the American trio in that category yeah. as well. Charles Putman, the two Charles, Charles Putman and Esplano, uh, and Joe Foster in that car. They're uh, in with Wall Racing for their PRS, Paul Reed Smith Guitars, uh, entered car. Those guys are making a bit of a habit of turning up. They do the... Uh, Creventic season, they'll be doing the Creventic season, uh, but they pop up mm. at other big races as well. They're well versed at doing things like the Nurburgring 24. Uh, in outright pace, um, I, they've got decent pace. Are they the fastest drivers out there? Probably not, but they do tend to yeah. get a car home, those guys, and, and that's what you've got to do. And this is a big bucket list tick for those guys. I agree with that. The other car worth watching in that class, and I realise we've mentioned almost them all now, but uh, is <laughs> like the that. Team Carrera Cup Asia, yeah. Sagan. It is like that, that class, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, well, it is, yeah, exactly. But uh, Team Carrera Cup Asia, what they've done there is that um, with Porsche China, who promotes that Carrera Cup championship, they've basically gone, and, and Paul Tresseter, who's a Sydney-based driver who races in Carrera Cup Asia, has put this together, so he's one of the drivers. But alongside him, Carrera Cup Asia went, right, our champions in pro and pro-am and our one of our Porsche China young drivers, uh, if you win the championship, you're going to get a 12-hour drive Love in it. a cup car. So Kiwi Chris Vanderdrift, who's a very, very, very fast racing car driver, um, he is the equal of Ben Barker in one of those cars, I would have thought, and that's, that's saying something because Ben's quick. Um, so he won the Career Cup Asia Championship last year. He's in that car. Andrew Tang is a young Chinese driver who's really impressive. I saw him race at Sepang last year. Um, he was terrific. And Chen Yufan, who goes goes by Evan Chen for uh, us trying to commentate, which is we're all very grateful for, um, he'll be in there as well. So he's their Pro-Am winner. Um, that's a really good little car and, and a really good in, initiative from the manufacturer and the promoter of the series and indeed Paul Tresseter who owns the car to put that together and um, a bit of a carrot at the end of the stick isn't it if you go and win a championship and score a Bathurst drive out of it 
Uh, you're listening to a special programme from Radio Show Limited and our network of channels. Uh, it is Richard Creel on the line from Australia. I'm John Hindorf and we're looking at the entry for the 2018 Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours. Uh, we're not being tremendously definitive in any of the three classes that we've looked at so far. It's not I, going to get any better, is it? I was about to say, I don't think that's going to change. Uh, the remaining 28 cars uh, in the entry are all GT3 cars. Uh, it's an extraordinarily deep entry, split effectively into three subclasses, Pro, Pro, Am and Am. And there's just a trio of, of Am cars uh, this year. Uh, before we get into that, broadly speaking, this is this is all about the uh, the makeup of the teams, Creelsey, uh, as as we see in other forms of, of motor racing and particularly GT and endurance racing. The drivers are graded. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I'm looking at the entrance uh, entry for Audi Sport Custom Racing ASR, the number three Audi R8 LMS. Um, that has got Ash Samadi, uh, Daniel Gaunt and Dylan O'Keefe at the wheel. Uh, we've got Richard Gartner, Hadrian Morrill, David Wall. And uh, hang on a minute. How's John Bow <laughs> in an arm car? Yes. How yeah, does well, that he's, work? Uh, well, because he's over 50, he's automatically graded silver, I believe, by uh, the SRO, by the FIA, yep. the driver ranking system. Yeah. So uh, despite being a new inductee into the Australian Motor Racing Hall of Fame this year, uh, he is an AM driver. David Wall is a pro, um, but you can have one pro in an AM car. So um, he won the Career Cup Australia Championship last year. Um, And then uh, the other car, James Conduris, Theo Conduris, Ash Walsh and Devashan Padiachi was the AM class winner last year in a Porsche. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe Ash Walsh might actually be ranked silver in that. So I think they're all, well, I think they're all AM drivers anyway. Uh, The the 12-hour just sort of, it takes the the FIA driver categorizations and then you're either seeded or you're not. So Mm -hmm. platinum and gold drivers are classed as seeded. Uh, silver and bronze is not um, in the pro class. You're allowed all seated drivers. Pro am you're allowed two of the three or four, and then am obviously just the one. So that's how roughly how it all breaks down. It's actually reasonably simple when you you get around it. And let's not get into a debate about how driver categorizations work because we'll be inundated by racing car drivers on Twitter complaining about it. But um, the interesting it, thing that a- that in those three though is we've got the the uh, the first of a of a trio of Lamborghini Gallardos that we're going to talk about. Mm. We don't see the Gallardo very uh, often outside of this race. I, I have to say it's one of my favourite race cars. It looks and sounds like it's from a, another planet. And good to see it getting an outing here. And and with those drivers, you know, David Wall's, a, as you would say, a, a good little steerer, as is Richard Gartner. I don't know so much about Hadrian Morrill. Uh, and John Bauer, obviously, he speaks for himself uh, quite often. He'd probably join us in the booth and speak for himself. Yeah, he could and would. Um, yeah, you know, you're right. They're good. Um, and, and the Gallardo has benefited from the continued work of, of writer engineering. I think actually 2017 was the last year that they stopped offering updates to that car. So right. it's now not going to be updated in as, as all the effort goes into the Huracan um, from the factory Lamborghini GT outfit. But um, they, they're still a competitive car. They, they're still winning races in Australian GT. Um, you know, they've, they've done low 203s at Mount Panorama before. So they're yeah. still in the right hands as fast as anyone. And 
of these 28 cars, there's a whole bunch of them that any one of their drivers, they've all got one really good driver, could theoretically get the car into the shootout or somewhere near the front of the field. So, you know, a David Wall in that Lambo, assuming it all goes to plan, he could theoretically put that car in the shootout. And and that's what's going to make this particular battle throughout the GT3 class so captivating is that just about every car has got one very, very handy racing car driver, if not all of them, in it. So that's that for me is the exciting part is is you know, we, we could have twenty eight cars covered by a second at the end of qualifying, very conceivably. Um, and, and the if point, all the pro drivers jump in. And the point you're making now, Rich, is really important because this is a race that's never been won from outside the top ten. So getting into the top ten mm. single car shootout is in some ways, that's your first job, isn't it? Get through all the practice and, yeah. and get through qualifying into the top 10. We saw a couple of big names over the last couple of seasons, a couple of events that didn't get into that and immediately were placed on the back foot. And that makes those early laps in the darkness. And that, uh, I was going to say in the half light. No, it's full darkness. Um, with remember, mm. no darkness practice before we get to the race. So for some people, um, they start, you know, if you start the race and you haven't been to this race before, then you've never raced in the dark before you get in and do your, your sighting laps. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing. Outside the top yeah. 10, you're on the back foot straight away. Yeah, and talk to Frank Stippler about that. He yeah. uh, was in the, the Jamek Perm Racing Factory Audi at the start of the race last year and ended up parked against the concrete in the dipper and spent some time in the medical center for his efforts. Yeah. Um, and that's that's all part of it, and that's because they didn't have great one lap speed, so they qualified outside the top ten. Yeah, that's that's why we put such emphasis on qualifying at Bathurst in particular. And yes, you go, oh, it's a twelve hour race. Surely it's not that important. But like all endurance racing, as you know better than anyone, it, there's so many more subtleties to it than just oh, it's a long race. Surely you don't need to qualify in the front row, and and that's one of them. Um, you know, this, and it might sound ridiculous, but if you're at the front, uh, if you're buried in the field, there's maybe more chance of you hitting a kangaroo that might be bouncing its way through the field. Maybe get some debris, maybe get caught out by the safety yeah. car in one of its many deployments throughout the race. So many variables. You want to be at the front. You want to be at the front from lap one and you want to try and stay there. And from memory off the top of my head, since the GT era, the winning car has, I think, on five occasions led the most laps as well. Yeah. So get out in front, lead the race from the front is proven to be the best way to win the Bathurst 12-hour. So qualifying is very important. Well, we've talked about these three subclasses within GT3, within the top class here, uh, Pro, Pro-Arm and Arm. But ultimately, as Creelsey says, any of those cars with their fastest driver in could be challenging at any given time so i i have a suspicion that during the race we'll be just talking about overall positions and it'll only be getting into the uh, yeah all right we'll do updates every hour for the different categories but but it'll only be when we get into the last hour or so maybe a couple of hours inside the last couple of pit stops that we'll start looking at the Pro-Am categories for probably second and third and fourth and fifth because I've, I've mm. got a feeling we'll see some of these Pro-Am cars well up uh, the field and also by the way having 
just underlining what uh, Richard's saying about getting inside the top 10 for the shootout. That's going to make listening into those early sessions and watching our sound and vision coverage of the the shootout. That's going to make it very, very important as well. So Saturday is a day that you uh, need to be tuned in as well here on uh, RS1. Um, I don't even know where to start looking at this entry list, mate. <laughs> It's I, ridiculous, isn't it? Let, let me let me um, let me start. Actually, there is one thing I want to say. There's there's a, there's yeah. an, there's a couple of omissions. In, in yes, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Well, let's start. Let's start because it's it isn't all good news. There's a couple of slight flies in the in the ointment. No Ferrari, no Aston Martins in in the top class. In fact, no Aston Martins or Ferraris in the whole field. And and Ferrari particularly, that's a big miss because A, always a fan favourite. B, they've got a fantastic record at this race. Yeah, they do. Wins in 2014 and last year, of course, uh, with Volando Wink Up and Lands and that amazing amazing performance through qualifying and the whole race and um, I, you know, we've got Lounds and Wink up in the race. They're spread throughout different cars, but I for one will miss Tony Volander as much yeah, as anything because his stint in the 69 laps he did will stay with me forever in the middle of that race. And he broke the back of that race last year with his middle stint in the early afternoon. Uh, he was the fastest moving thing in Australia for about an hour and a half. And it was extraordinary <laughs> to watch. So I'll miss that, but unfortunately, Marinello Motorsport were unable to put a budget together and put their program together. So um, that's just the way the motor racing cookie crumbles sometimes. So they'll they'll be back, I'm sure. They'll continue to work on returning to the race because they're very passionate about it and very keen to uh, to get back there. I know that for sure. And I, I feel for Mark Coffey, the team boss there, because he put so much work into that victory. Um, I, I think maybe the hangover might have lasted a little bit longer and just getting the pieces in place because it was such an enormous result that they achieved last year. Um, the other noticeable absentees and, and ones that have been supporting the race for a long time is Nissan. Yeah. Um, they've been there with two cars for the last couple of years, of course, famously won it in 2015. And and I'll revert back to what I said about Tony Villander that I'll, I'll miss desperately having Katsumasa Chio racing in this race because he has become as cult hero as any international driver has become in Australian motor racing. He's just got such an enormous fan base uh, and we'll miss him badly. And, and we'll miss Nissan who have been incredible Agreed. supporters of the 12 hour, but um, they've, they've got some stuff going on behind the scenes. They've had a new CEO at Nissan Australia. They've had new people in their motorsport and marketing departments where their budget comes from. So they're, they're taking a year on the sidelines. Their supercar deal ends at the end of this year. So that's up for, renewal as well they've got a lot to work on they've got to get that right they've got to make the right decisions for the brand so they've just decided to sit on the 12 hour for 12 months or so and and see where they're at but they own a gtr gt3 they've got the team to run it um it wouldn't surprise me if they end up coming back in 2019 at all Uh, new iteration of of that car is available but not available for this race remember you you, this is Mm. Uh, one of the vagaries of being at the start of a brand new European and global racing season, which is right in the middle of Australian summer, is that you can't have a 2018 spec car. There is a 2018 evolution of that Nissan GTR, and that car wouldn't be allowed uh, in this race. I'll echo everything that you've said uh, about uh, the two entries there from the manufacturers and particularly about Vlander. that is possibly the gr- I'm going to put that and 
sit down if you're listening now. I'm going to put that right up there with the drive at Le Mans by JJ Leto in the middle of the night in the rain um, in the McLaren in 95 because that was uh, extraordinary by Tony Vlander. Remember, he hadn't sat in the GT3 version of the car and raced it before he got to the mountain, something that he kept very quiet until afterwards and he told us with a big <laughs> grin on his face about that. Um, and he drove away, Creelsey, from a, a world-class a world class field of drivers at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, a second, tenths of a second, a second a lap, and I've not, I've not seen anything like that in the groove. Absolutely, and and I think Tony, well, I know Tony. I've spoken to him about this. Very disappointed not to be able to go back to defend. So there will be another name on the Liquid Molly Bathurst Twelve Hours Trophy. Um, I don't know, mate. Where where do you start? Where do well, you start well, with this? Well, do we start with do we start with Audi because Audi yeah. have Audi have sponsored or sponsored and supported this race with entries since day dot since it became a GT three race in twenty eleven, and they've upped the game this year again. So Audi Audi have been in the top five in this race every year since they've won it. So they won in 11 and 12. They've been in the top five every year since then, except last year. And that gnaws at them. I think it gnaws that they weren't that competitive. So they've thrown all of the resources at it again. And not only is Audi Sport Customer Racing Australia through the Jamek Pem Racing Team fielding two pro cars. So one of their cars has got Garth Tander, Kelvin Vanderlinder and Frederick Vervish in it. Um, the second car has got Chris Mace, Chris Husser, and Marcus Winkelhoff. Thank you very much. Um, they're both what extraordinary. But for the first time, we get to see Team WRT come to Australia with a two-car team, both of which are very strong. One of them's in Pro and the other in Pro-Am. But the Pro-Am car, as you will attest to with your experience in the World Endurance Championship, pretty handy when you've got Pedro Lamy, Paul Dallalana, Matias Lauder, and they'll throw Will Davison into the mix, a Bathurst winner. Yeah. Um, that's a good combo. So I love Audi's support for this race. Um, I love that they're so engaged and so keen to return to the top of the podium for the first time since 2012 that mm. not only have they just backed their uh, Australian customer sport outfit so strongly, but they're bringing arguably their top team from – GT3 racing around the world to come and play as well. And then the Northwest Healthcare sponsored uh, WRT Audi, the, the 39 car in Pro-Am. That's an interesting one that you should throw that up because Paul Delalana, the very affable Canadian, along with his longtime teammates Pedro Lamy and, and Matthias Lauda, as you say, Will Davison thrown into that for a bit of mountain experience. Um, th- they're sort of refugees this year because of the way the World Endurance Championship is in this transition period. Um, mm. th- there's not a lot for them to do with Aston Martin. Also, I don't think Paul's overly happy that, and this is not an Aston Martin thing, this is an ACO and WAC thing, that the new Vantage won't be allowed in GTE AM this year, only in Pro, and it won't be allowed yeah. next year either when it when that season moves into a second year. Um, there was quite a lot of uh, toing and froing uh, and representations made. It, I think Paul even suggested that it, you know he would be happy if perhaps after Le Mans 
in 2018 or towards the end of the season in 2018, the new Vantage would be allowed in the category. Um, but they're really losing out on race mileage and they're losing out on, on machinery. Now, Pedro, Paul and Matthias, not a boy band, but those three drivers, um, are... Um, competing at the Rolex 24 at Daytona, but in a Mercedes-Benz. We've seen them do this race before, uh, not necessarily with Aston Martin, but this to me is Paul Delalana casting his net a little bit to do a little bit of extra racing this year. He's he's doing Mm. some, again, bucket list races, but that's an interesting uh, entry. And Audi will be looking... Right, they look after all of their customers very well. That's what... Audi Sport Customer Racing does under Chris Renke and the, and the rest of the team. They'll be looking after those guys particularly well because I see an opportunity there f- perhaps for mm. them to do some more races. Maybe go to the Nürburgring 24, maybe do some other races. Of course, the guys at, at AMG Mercedes will be doing exactly the same at, um, at the Rolex 24. Um, but, but that's an opportunity there uh, and that will be a, that'll be a solid team. Um, a solid team. Matthias Lauda just getting better and better. Pedro Lamy uh, in the form of his life. And, and Paul Dallalana is one of the best non-pro drivers out there. But you can say that of a number of, of the guys here. I mean, if I look one place up, um, that, I mean, we could pick any of those Audis, by the way. And, and the, yeah. the works Audis, just extraordinary. WRT with Robin Freins. Uh, Stuart Leonard and Dries Van Tua in, in that car. Kelvin Van der Linde, along with Vervish and Garth Tander. Yes, of course. Mies, Haas and Winkelhock. Not saying, Very much, yes. Not, I mean, mm. th- that would be a good midfield trio in uh, in any any soccer team. Yeah. They can all play and they can all drive. I, I mean, extraordinary depth of talent can I, there. Can I throw a little bit of Bathurst trivia history for Go you for relating it. to WRT coming? So the, the team manager at Audi Sport Team WRT is a Frenchman by the name of Pierre Dudonu, who's a very famous racing car driver. He, along with a Brit by the name of Steve Soper, crossed the line first in the 1987 Bathurst 1000, but were not credited with the victory. History shows that race was won by Peter Brock, David Parsons and Peter McLeod. That was the very famous Eggenberger-Texaco Sierra debacle where they finished 1-2 in that race uh, and were subsequently protested and disqualified for having illegal, uh, illegally wide front wheel arches on those cars. And it was when it was a round of the World Touring Car Championship, that yes. one-year World Touring Car Championship. So that's a really cool link. And I actually got an email from Pierre uh, before Christmas, just confirming that they were coming. We were working on the announcement to announce it, and I got a real buzz out of that. It was fantastic. So he's got a really good Bathurst history, which then probably segues us into another team that's coming from Europe that I know you're very fond of that also competed in the 1987 Bathurst 1000, and that's BMW Team Schneitzer, yeah. the great uh, Charlie Lamb-led outfit, and they're making their return to the mountain this year with an M6. I, I couldn't be happier. Um, Charlie is uh, one of my real heroes in the sport. Carl Lamb is his real name, but everybody's always calling him Charlie. And he loves, loves, with a capital L-O-V-E-S, endurance racing, particularly 24-hour races. He he wants, and I know I've told this story many times before, he once uh, asked me to sit down with him at Portland in Oregon in the old uh, IMSA ALMS days. And I went to the trailer and sat down. I thought I was going to get a bollocking for something that I'd 
said or done or whatever. And there was a pot of coffee on, as there always is with Charlie. And we sat down and I said, what have I done? What have I done? I'm sorry. You know, thanks for calling us in. I mean, Charlie always does everything face to face. He'll never say anything behind your back. And I nah, just, you know, thought we haven't had a catch up yet this season, and we'll have a catch up when we start talking. And that was when he uttered the words that I've said many times, and sometimes in in your hearing as well, Krilsey. Uh, he said there are only two sets of people in this world, as far as he's concerned. He says mm. people who understand and enjoy endurance racing, particularly twenty four hours, and those that don't. And I like to mm. surround myself with people in the the former category (laughs) it's just a very simplistic view of life from Charlie but he lives it he lives it and he will I really hope he's going to make the trip because he will love coming back to endurance racing being uh, part of uh, BMW's motorsports effort for donkey's years but not on the endurance side in in the last decade and more and he's missed it I know he's missed it I still get emails from him and to see the BMW M Sport colours uh, and the, the Schnitzer BMW colours back, I, oh, I can't wait. I can't well, wait. Well, and that, he should come because they've absolutely a, a chance to win the race with oh, the do. drivers they've got assembled in that car. So Augusta Farfus jumps in, Chaz Mostert, who's actually been doing quite a bit of extracurricular racing in BMWs in the, um, in the Asian Le Mans series, which has been fantastic, driving M6s there. And he raced at Macau in the FIA GT World Cup as well. Uh, he was one of the few drivers that avoided that massive pile up there as they were heading up the hill. Uh, and Marco Vipman, the double DTM champion who raced last year with the, the Stephen Richards run team. So that's a cracking outfit. And then speaking of Richo's team, he's back uh, and he's got Timo Glock and Philip Eng alongside him. So, there's six more unbelievably good drivers in two very, very good cars. And we saw how fast the M6 was at Bathurst last year, qualified supremely well. And Chaz Mostert led quite a few laps in the early stages in that pre-dawn running and that early dawn running in the race. So um, if they get their ducks in a row, they are going to be very, very strong, both of those combinations. I like the look of the M6 around the mountain. I've got to be honest, I think Mm. it looks right around there. I know it's a big car. For my... From my point of view, I think the only issue that BMW is the same issue that Bentley have. There's only two of them against, yeah. you know, okay, McLaren um, with just a, a couple as well. You know, the, the multiple entries from Porsche, from Audi, from Mercedes, there's more bullets in the corporate gun. Uh, but you, what you can't deny is all of those two car teams that I've just mentioned are two manufacturer entries are absolute quality uh, right through the mm. field and we'll, we'll talk about them in a moment Richard Crail's uh, Richard Crail is on the line from Australia as we're looking at the prospect for another cracking race for the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours I'm John Hindoff in this special programme and before we, we move on to some of those other teams uh, Lamborghini well represented in the pro categories um, as as we mentioned the Amcar uh, earlier on um, and one of the proams I want to flag up immediately, which is the triple seven car, um, and, and this is a, a Gallardo GT3 Rex Rex, yep. um, which is one of the uh, evolutions of that car uh, Rex or, or Rex. Um, this has got Thomas Enger in it. Yes, that Thomas Enger. It's got Luke yep. Yulden in it. Yes, the man who won Bathurst uh, thousand last year. Did he not? He did with David Reynolds yes, in the field, he... who we'll get to 
we'll get to at some point when we're working our way through every single one of these cars that could theoretically win the race. I mean, yeah, and the guy that the guy that owns that car and will be the third driver is Yasser Shaheen, who's won a race in Australian GT, so he's got plenty of raw speed. Mm. Um, and he and his brother Sam are building the Bend Motorsport Park where I live, actually in South Australia, uh, which is this amazing new hundred million dollar motor racing facility. At which some point there will be some form of international. GT racing, I will put my house on it if yeah. I have to. Um, so that's a really good car. And yeah, Thomas Enger's been there. I pretty certainly raced the KTM yeah. last year from memory because I know he's been involved in that through rider engineering. Yeah, he'll he'll be fast. He'll be real quick. And Luke Yeldon's extremely competent and obviously now a Bathurst 1000 winner. That That's a good car. That That's a really good car. Above that's the the Trofeo Motorsport Hurricane. They tested at Bathurst last October. Um, and found some gains in that car. It's been it's been a challenge that car for them to get on top of it. It hasn't been as fast as they wanted, but they've made some progress there. And amongst their drivers includes Ivan Capelli, great man, uh, former Leighton House Formula One driver, and Dean Canto, who's uh, a ripper bloke and a very yeah very fast racing car driver. So they're really good. Um, we have to talk about. I don't know who we talk about first: Porsche, McLaren, or Mercedes. Let, let's talk about Porsche, right? Because they they've gone all in, haven't they? They've put all <laughs> their chips in the middle, and they're throwing the lot. This is the one race they've not won. Yeah, they've never correct. won a Bathurst. They won a three-hour production car race a couple a long time back in the nineties, but in in the pantheon of endurance races, that's not there. This is they've won everything else except it. So. They've come with all guns blazing. Manta Racing, I mean, just, the names are extraordinary, aren't they? I mean, Lawrence Vantor, the Australian fans will be familiar with because he was on pole with Audi a couple of years ago and heroically drove that thing despite having quite poor balance of performance and just drove the thing as hard as he could. Kevin Estra, uh, sorry, Fred Makowicki is uh, in the Porsche squad with Manta Racing. Yep. Dirk Werner, Roman Dumas. Um, and then El Bamba, Kevin Estra, and Vanthor in the Kraft Bamboo car. That's um, that's extraordinary. That's an incredibly strong combination, isn't it? Uh, El Bamba's had no look at the mountain, and uh, and, no. and I know it's a race he wants to win. Uh, Lawrence can't wait to get back to it. Um, all of those drivers. I mean, first of, I mean, by the way, great to see Roman Dumas back in yeah. what is effectively yeah. a, a, a Porsche factory drive. Um, Obviously, with the demise of the uh, prototype program, there's a few Porsche contracted drivers who are looking for things to do. Roman has been busying himself driving up Pikes Peak and doing off-road driving and all that kind of thing. Um, I think he'll be extraordinarily quick on uh, on the mountain. Uh, again, I'll say to th- to this sextet of drivers, who do you have qualify? Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, I mean... That's crazy that none of the guys in the Mante car have been there before, um, but I don't think that will stop them no. too much. So you're you're probably better informed than I as to who will be the quickest over one lap out of those three. But the Kraft Bamboo car, all three of them have been there before. Uh, I, I'd probably throw the keys the way of Laurent Vantor oh, really? for qualifying, mainly because he's done the job before. 
Yeah, true. So he knows what it takes. Kevin, but, Est- I mean, Kevin Estra often gets the, the call at the Nürburgring Nordschleifer in the shootout there. But then yeah. again, he is a bit of a specialist there. I, I mean, honestly, rock, paper, scissors behind the garage before it, uh, it kicks off for those guys. Yeah. Um, don't count out either. There's another uh, couple of Porsches. And, and one of them I want to flag up here is the 540, the Black Swan racing car for yes. Tim Pappas, Jerome Blakemoreland, Lucas Stoltz and Mark Lieb. Be, uh, Tim, Tim Pappas, very much the, the gentleman driver, but a very accomplished gentleman driver. And anybody who followed uh, IMSA and the ALMS will know that. Uh, Lucas Stoltz is no main peddler. Mark Lieb and Jerome Blakemoreland need no introduction. I, I won't bother with that. Mm. That will be a strong car. That will be a very strong car. And it would not be... Um, a, a Bathurst event with without David Calvert-Jones and the Icebreak and Virgin Australia competition motorsports car. And once again, he's assembled a tremendous lineup uh, of drivers, including, again, Patrick Long. Pat Long loves this place. Uh, Alex Davison and Matty Campbell in there as well. Yeah. On, only, I mean, Matt Campbell... Uh, Porsche Carrera Cup Australia champ, Super Cup driver, Alex Davison Correct. has done everything. I mean, that, that's yes. another... David, again, very much would call himself a gentleman driver, but is at the top end of the gentleman driver stakes. And David, when he gets he, he, into that rhythm, he's, he's pretty consistent. And that's all you're asking yeah. of your gentleman drivers on the mountain. Yeah, and they, they managed his stint and his performance Perfect. brilliantly last yeah. year. And, and they, they put him in the car exactly when they needed to then they let the pros do the job at the end of the day. And Matt Campbell was in the car at the end when it all teed off and he ended up second second in that race, which yeah. was just kicked off his incredible year, which uh, included four wins in Porsche Super Cup. He was third in that championship and he's now been signed as one of their Porsche young factory drivers, which is just a, a tremendous accomplishment for Very him. Very deserved. Very started, much deserved. Yes. Started out racing in uh, regional Queensland no more than five years ago and no one had heard of him. And uh, now he's one of our, our bright Australian motor racing hopes on the world stage. Um, McLaren. Mm. McLaren, McLaren, McLaren. Uh, sort of anonymous last year. They, they finished just off the podium but didn't have that sparkling performance that we saw in 16 when Van Gisbergen, Webb and Alvaro Parent won the race. I would suggest to you now, John, that's not going to be an issue for them this year. Um, would you Would you like to have a look at car 58 and just inform the dear listener who's behind the wheel of that uh, particular entry? Uh, car number 58, which is a, a YNA Motorsport entry, is Shane mm. van Giesbergen, SVG, yep. the Giz, yep. the man yep. who Lap loves record. the mountain, uh, mm. lap record holder. Uh, Craig Lowndes, mm. who's done a bit of racing on yep. the mountain, as well. Yeah, just a smidge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, knows yeah. his way around. I bet you could probably do it with his with my hands over his eyes anyway, if not his. Uh, yes. And Com Ledegar, who is perhaps the mm. the less well-known uh, to that, Frenchman, who has been just gradually, but impressively, building mm. his reputation over the last few seasons. Um, yeah. Blancpain, uh, he hit pole position in the 2014 Nürburgring 24 hours for Doha Motorsport. Uh, he has been putting himself in positions to get noticed, and he has been getting noticed. And he is, well, every bit in your McLaren as good as a Van Gisbergen and, and factory driver Rob Bell, I would say. 
Yeah, and, and most importantly, I think, is that he raced there last year and, and they finished fifth in that Techno Run car with Rob and uh, and Alvaro. So, yeah, that that's a terrific lineup. And, and their sister car is is every bit as good. It, it's ended in Pro-Am, but it's it's very, very handy. It's got Scott McLaughlin in it, who's just a superstar in Australian motor racing now and a very narrow runner-up to Jamie Winkup in the Supercar Championship. Uh, Fraser Ross, who races in Australian GT, um, not seated professional, but he's a race winner in that class and almost won the championship as well. Uh, Andrew Watson and Alexander West, who come over from the McLaren's GT program in Europe. So that that might fly under the radar a little bit more, though. Um, avail yourself of YouTube and look up Scott McLaughlin's pole position oh, lap yeah. at the Bathurst 1000 last year. So, so McLaren, why and Autosport have got the fastest ever guy around the mountain officially in Van Gisbergen and the fastest ever guy around there in a supercar in McLaughlin, who did a three, eight for pole in October last year and the most successful driver ever statistically in terms of podiums in Craig Lowndes at Mount Panorama. So they've, they've stacked the deck. They've done pretty well. Well, on paper, you know, uh, that, that's, mm. that's a winning combination. But as we've often said, yeah. you don't race on paper. Mm. By the way, the objective racing at McLaren with Warren Luff and Tim Slade, along with Tony Wells and Jackson Evans, you know, yeah. uh, uh, okay, six, that's a 650S as well. I mean, you know, that's, it's, it's easy to overlook cars like that in a field yes. that is just so packed. I mean, any other race anywhere, you'd look at that and go, oh, that's pretty good. It is a pretty good lineup, And and that's that's yep. my problem that I have in, in this year's race, Creelsey, is that I'm scared that I'm going to overlook something. We haven't even talked about the Mercedes yet. And, you know, all the Bentleys. All the Bentleys. Right, well, let's put that right. Let, let's do Bentley next with the two uh, yep. M Sport cars, the 17 and 18 car, coming back with uh, Stephen Kane, Guy Smith, Jules Gounon uh, jumping in with them, Andy Suchek, Maxime Soule and Vincent Abril uh, in the 18 car. Bentley have mm. got unfinished business at the mountain. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Brian Gush, the affable South African who runs Bentley Motorsport, Malcolm Wilson, they both want to come down and stir up some trouble again. Yeah, fourth, third and third in the last three years of that race. Mm. Uh, and they would they would have been third in uh, that, that first year had it not been for a, a rather rampaging German and an Aston Martin in the final corner of that particular extraordinary ah, yes. motor race that we all remember. Um, yeah, they, they've been brilliant, haven't they? And, and it's this will be the, the farewell for the Generation 1 Continental GT3. The Correct. new car will debut later on in the season. I'm just so thrilled that they've elected to come back. And out of all the international teams that have visited us over the years, I think they've probably generated the most sort of goodwill and fan base amongst local fans um, just because it's a ridiculous car. Let's be honest. <laughs> Of all the cars you pick on the road, that's probably the least one you'd pick to turn into a GT3 car, but they did it. They did an amazing job of it, and the thing is just so perfectly suited to Mount Panorama. Agreed. It's got so much bottom-end grunt to drag it up the hill. It's a really stable, long-wheelbase, wide-track platform, so it's really stable across the top. She's pretty quick as anything down Conrod Strait, and it's just good over a lap in general. Um, probably doesn't have the one-lap qualifying speed, perhaps, that the the raw McLarens and and perhaps the Porsches have got, but over a distance they're as good as anything. And that team now knows what it takes to get on the podium at Mount Panorama. And 
um, Stephen Kane and Guy Smith have been together for each of those efforts they've had over the last three years at Bathurst. So um, they're really experienced. I love Bentley's attitude. Malcolm Wilson I've known um, since he was a driver and uh, he has a fabulous attitude. Uh, Brian Gush, as I said, he came many years ago from Ford in South Africa. He loves big engines. Uh, he loves rorty racing cars. He's a rally fan as well, interestingly uh, enough. He's, he's building, in fact, I can't wait to see him because I want to know how his Mark II Escort is getting on that oh, he's, no. he's rebuilding. Um, I mean, interestingly, you said, you know, it, it, it's an odd car to choose. Uh, Bentley have gone about their racing in a phenomenal way, uh, very much reminiscent of, of the Bentley boys in the 20s and 30s um, with the big lorries, as they were called, at Le Mans. Um, the fact that they're taking a new Bentley Bentayga and throwing it up Pike's Peak in 2018 shows that they haven't mm. lost that pioneering spirit that they want to build the world's fastest racing SUV. And I would be surprised if that car next year isn't down at Bathurst, not necessarily to race, but I've got a feeling that they might fling that car around Bathurst at some stage as well, just as uh, just because they can. It'll probably go around yeah. the Nordschleifer and set a lap time yeah, at the Nordschleifer in an SUV. Why not? Uh, it, yeah. It's great. Why I love not? them. And, and they will be a big crowd favourite. Um, have they got enough to win? They'll think so. They'll go there full of confidence. Uh, but then again, so will Audi, so will BMW, and so... Certainly, will Mercedes-Benz with the AMG GT3. Uh, this is a car that has swept all before it pretty much uh, in the last couple of seasons. It is a car that has a fantastic racing pedigree. Uh, it is a car, however, that hasn't had too much of an upgrade uh, from in the 2017 uh, version to the 2018 version. So... These guys are racing on a known platform. That's the, the good thing. Uh, Team mm. Stracker with Nick Leventis, Lewis Williamson, Cameron Walters, uh, Cameron Waters, excuse me, and Diva Firminelli, and Maxi Burke, Maxi Gertz. That's not going to cause us any problems, is it? And Alvaro yeah. Parent, <laughs> the uh, McLaren that's refugee. That is, mm. That's a couple of good... Now, Nick Leventis... Uh, perhaps will still be remembered when Stratton were doing Le Mans, when they were doing ELMS. Nick Leventis, uh, gentleman driver, fit as a butcher's dog's personal trainer is Nick. And he's been working hard for this and he wants to give this a good go. Uh, He is not a pro driver, but his times will be good and he's been working on his consistency. Uh, Two Mm. great entries there. You've got the Scott Taylor Motorsport Mercedes with Craig Baird and Tony D'Alberto in it. Uh, I mean, you can't look past that. Kenny Abul, Tristan Vautier have raced together in the States and they're in with their sponsor Sun Energy 1 in the 75 car. That's their number in the States. That's helping me out. And having to have Jamie Wincup with them as well. Uh, And then you've Um, got David Reynolds and John Martin and Liam Talbot. I mean, Mercedes... All right, you know, if, Por- if Porsche are going all in and Audi have got the numbers, Mercedes aren't going there to come second, Crailsy, are they? No, no, they're, they're crazy. Uh, and that, the, the two Maxis and Alvaro Parent are as good a combination as anything, yeah. I think. And we've run, we talked about those, those two Porsche cars, the Manthe Racing and the Kraft cars. I, I'd throw that particular Stracker entry in with them um, and perhaps a couple of the, the Audis as well, which is how deep this field is. But even that, uh, the Sun Energy One car with um, with Kenny Habal, who, 
who is an expat Aussie, we should remember, he used to race Australian Formula 3, most famous for launching a uh, 301 Dallara into the sky at Oran Park Raceway back in, I want to say 2003 from memory, but uh, that was just before he went to the States. Um, Tristan Verdeo is good. But, I mean, Wink Cup is just extraordinary and we'd need an entire show to talk about his achievements. And um, in cricket parlance, he's averaging 100 at the moment in uh, GT races because he's one for one. He's got one one start in a GT race and he won it. So and that just happened to be the 12-hour last year. Um, I, I really do like the Max Twig, Craig Baird, yes. Tony D'Alberto entry as well. Bairdo's resume speaks for itself. Tony D'Alberto is one of the gun go-to Bathurst co-drivers yeah. um, and actually finished third in the 1000 last October with Fabian Coulthard. So drives for Roger Penske, so must go okay. <laughs> and Max Twig's one of the better AM drivers around yeah. and he's a career cup uh, class champion in Australia in the past. So that that's a good combo. And it's another one of the... I don't know, 15 cars in this field that assuming they get to the final hour of the race, plug your pro in and push play and see how it all plays out. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll see a pro-arm car well up the order again. Whether we see it on the overall podium this year, I don't know. That will depend, I think, on the attrition in the pro class mm. um, and and how they go. Strategy, you've got to be on top of your strategy here. Uh, sometimes it's a relatively short track in endurance racing, so you don't have a lot of time. If the safety car comes out and you're at the back of the line, do you pick, do you not pick? It's, we've seen this before, and on, and on such things, racers can turn because getting your track position here is all important. You don't want to be working your way through a field of cars heading up Mountain Street just after you've gone green with 25 minutes to go when the guy that you're chasing is 10 cars ahead and you've got to get past a whole load of of other classes. It's so, so important to get your tyre strategy right. Um, I'm going to ask you the tough question now, Creelsey. You're not, are you? I am. I am. Um, There's there's a, an interesting mix in the GT3 field of teams that have integrated um, Australian supercar drivers, superstar superstar supercar drivers into their teams. There's teams that have come with experienced drivers of their cars, some of which have mountain experience. Um, I never know which way that is going to turn out. I'm a big fan of getting the Aussie supercar drivers into this race for the same reasons you are, because I think it shows the world and Australia just how good they really, really are. And people like SVG Mm. going abroad and more than holding his own in other championships uh, is proof positive of that. But this is a very, very particular race. And I'm not sure there's advantage a huge amount of advantage, enough of an advantage to say one or other of those is the best call. No, I agree with you completely, 100%. I'll throw in that I think there's probably a half a percent, 1% local knowledge thing just in anticipating track conditions and how the place changes over the day, um, understanding how a race flows at that place. And it's quite funny how the 12-hour and the 1000 are all about track position and they're all yeah. about nailing the safety cars and getting your strategy right. So I think there's something to play in that and just, just the ebb and the flow Correct. of the race. But there's so much luck in it though. And, and you were talking about strategy a moment ago. Competition Motorsport finished second outright in that race and they won the Pro-M class last year. 
but they had four drive-through penalties over the course of the day. But it just turned out that every time they'd serve a drive-through, they'd get a safety car. So they never went a lap down by having to be penalised by either an on-track infraction or I think they were penalised for speeding twice in pit lane and um, various dramas like that. So there is an element of the dice rolling the way you need them to roll to win this race. But you were building up through all of that, weren't you, to ask me who I think is going to win it? Well, yes, I was, but you've just said something. I want to make one point, and you said the ebb and flow of the race and track conditions. And one of the things Mm. that is an advantage to someone who's raced there in something like the the 1,000 is if the weather comes in if it rains, mm. because then local knowledge is huge. Not if it's torrential and everybody's tiptoeing round and just surviving, but in those transitional conditions, in the, oh, is it quite wet enough for wets? Or if you're coming back off wets, is it quite dry enough for slicks yet? That's when you can yeah. make a big, huge call, which has to come from the driver, and the guys who know the place best can make that call best and you get big differences in lap times at that point. Correct. And, and that's but, where, I, it's just when you said that, that ticked off something in my brain. Um, right, okay. I mean, all things being well, well, all things being equal, which is the best package? Is it Bentley, well, Audi, BMW, Mercedes, McLaren or Porsche? <laughs> what I'll do, I'll, I'll do something different. I'm not going to answer that question because it's impossible. What I will do, though, is I will go I, – I, I truly believe in all the races I've seen and called at Bathurst that to succeed at Bathurst, you need to have an X-factor driver in your car. You need to have yeah. one of those drivers that you look at and go, Whoa, you're just a couple of percent different to everybody else aren't you? And you've just got that something little extra that you can extract when you need it to either qualify and pole or to break a race. I reckon Tony Vlander brought that to that Ferrari last year. I reckon Lawrence Vantor brought it to the Audi three years ago when they were really hamstrung with BOP. They couldn't fight. They didn't have straight line speed. So he overcompensated by driving the thing at 11 tenths over the top of the mountain and Remember the visage of the Audi sideways out into the gravel at Philomy Park and never lifted and it sets the, the hair on it. And it, it's the Chio factor yeah. of of that blazing towards the end, catching Van Gisbergen in, in the McLaren. So I'll, I'll give you three combos mm. and this is as good as you're going to get from me because okay. I just cannot narrow it down any further. There are three combos that I looked at and went, when they were announced and went, poor, that's, that's something special. That, that's got a an X-factor combination. The first one was the Kraft Bamboo Racing Porsche. Yeah. Great team, full pack Porsche, uh, Porsche factory support, Earl Bamber, Kevin Estra, and Lawrence Vantor. I, yep. I think that as an all-round combination is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I will then offer you the Stracker Racing Mercedes-Benz that I touched on before with Maximilian Book, who... Yep was so brilliant in 2014 when he made his debut and chasing down the Bathurst legend Craig Lowndes at the end of that race and almost beat him, um, driving for HTP Motorsport. Maxi Goats and Alvaro Parent, who was spectacular in the McLaren. I'm going to put them in because I think the Merc is such a good Bathurst package. Yeah. Uh, and and finally, and, it, and it's blatantly obvious, but it, it has to be 
that number 58 YNA Autosport McLaren with, with Shane Van Gisbergen, Com Ledegar, and I've learned never, ever back a car or don't back a car which yeah. has Craig Lowndes in it because he's just the king of that place. Um, and Van Gisbergen remains just special, do, absolutely special. Do, I, I'll add to that. I'm not disagreeing with any of that. Absolutely not, um, which doesn't make for a good program, in fairness. But I'll add to that. Has has Shane Van Gisbergen got something to prove after last year? Because he, he, he didn't, you know, unusually, not through, yeah. not, not because of anything nasty, but unusually for SVG, he will have gone away from a race not feeling he did his best for the team. I, 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 I accept he was doing what he thought was the best at the time. It ended up not being the best, and he will not have been happy uh, at the end mm. and how that race ended last year. So, I mean, SVG is a very experienced race driver, but he'll feel there's something that he has to give back this year, I would have thought. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I would agree to that to an extent, though I, I'm not convinced that's how he thinks okay. I, I don't I don't know if that's how he operates I, I think he he probably has the ability to put that kind of thing behind him and go okay it happened yeah I'll fold that away in my brain I'll remember it but we'll just move on yeah. and go back to driving racing cars at warp speed which is what he does best mm. um yeah I, yeah I I don't know if he's got something to prove but I do know that he's probably the fastest racing car driver racing on these shores at the moment out of anybody mm-hmm. just in terms of raw speed. And, and I think with, with Shane, you know that you're always getting the maximum out of him. So irrespective yeah. of what happened at the end of that race last year, there's no way that Mercedes was going to go any faster <laughs> than what it was doing to hang True. on to the race True. at the end of the battle for the Ferrari, yeah. bearing in mind that he and his teammate, Jamie Winkup banged wheels on Conrad straight with half an hour to go on a 12-hour race battling for the lead. So, yeah. I'll add into that, by the way, both of the the Bentleys, uh, for for the reasons we touched on before, I think they've got something to prove. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if those cars split strategy, if they get the option to do so. Um, I I think they will very much look at this as a team event. Uh, They haven't always had both bullets back in the Bentley gun, which obviously would be a shotgun, wouldn't it? It'd be, probably be an over and under uh, as well. Um, both barrels haven't always been loaded for them when it comes down to the, mm. the money laps. I think if it is, you might see something very special from them. Um, outside uh, bets uh, as well, um, the Mies Haase, Marcus Winkelhock uh, machine, um, the Audi Sport Customer Racing 74 car. Uh, and the, in the, the Audi Am- stuff... The, the Audi's the Audi interesting, stuff will- isn't it? Yeah, because the Audi's a great one-lap car at Bathurst, yep. but it, it, it's always struggled, and, and, and it's partially a balance of performance thing, but yep. they've always struggled with straight-line speed. So you, if you don't have straight-line speed at Mount Panorama, you're racing with one arm tied yep. behind your back. So it's like being an English cricketer in the ashes. You're just not going to win. Um, it, it makes it really difficult, but they've got such a good driver lineup across both the WIT cars and both of the Jamek Pem Racing um, Audi Customer Sport Australia entries. You, you just can't rule them out. Um, and you'd be mad to go, no, nah, they're not going to win because mm. who knows? There might be a, a, a race. It might rain. They might be unbelievably good in the wet. We haven't seen that with the current car yeah, good point. at Bathurst before. So you just don't know. And uh, that's part of the 
the joy. Uh, and, so and basically we're saying everybody. everyone can win. Yeah. Make sure you're watching. Don't miss it. It's going to be extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Pretty much. I mean, for for other other cars to watch, particularly in Pro-Am, the Hallmark Audi, uh, Mark Cheney, Lee yes. Holdsworth, Dean Fiore. We haven't mentioned those guys. I mean, they're just, that's a fantastic team uh, as well. Really, in Pro-Am, anybody could win that. Any of the field could win that. And I mean, I, I, I'm wow. not just saying that for um, for effect. They it's- could They could well get up into the top half dozen or better in the overall. And, and throw the weather card in, Creelsey, and honestly, yeah. anything could happen. Any Weather card comes in and Porsche, I think we've seen enough of Porsche down through the years to know that a, a car with an engine over the back wheels is going to have some kind of an advantage. Uh, it's whether they're in the right place when the weather, weather comes. And so much about the liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours is about that, about are you in a position to take advantage yep. when the big pendulum of racing fit swings towards you? Mm, 100%. 100%. So basically we're saying everyone wins a prize. <laughs> and it's the most impossible race to call. I, I was I was also – actually, I've just realised in my, in my three cars, my fourth one was going to be the – the BMW team Schnitzer um, entry six, because the yeah. X factor, yeah, the X factor in that with with Chaz Mostert and how good he is. So, um, but yeah, so so the the four of my top three uh, are probably actually about eight or nine, I reckon. Uh, the lovely it, thing, it's a, the lovely it's a crazy thing, field. it is, mate. The lovely thing about it is with Bentley, Audi, BMW, Mercedes, McLaren, Porsche and Lamborghini, you've you've effectively got a nice variety of cars. We'll be hopefully able to tell them all apart when we're doing it. They all have slightly different strengths and weaknesses. They'll all make their lap times over the mountain in slightly different places. All right, the Lamborghini Huracan and the Audi are very similar machines uh, in in terms of the engineering part of it. But how they use their tyres, their fuel uh, is going to be slightly different. We're going to be keeping our eyes on the timing screen to see who's got a little bit of an advantage. You talked about a half or a 1% or a 2% difference in some of the drivers. That's the same for the cars as well. If, if you can identify yeah. in the early part of the week that your car, Brand X, has got an advantage somewhere. You've got to, in a race like the 12 hours at Bathurst, you've got to play to that. You have got. You, you can't wait for other people to go wrong. You've got to say, right, here's our setup. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go long. We're going to go long. We're going to save fuel. We're going to go long right from the start of the race. And we've seen that happen in the past and, and work. We've seen that played out beautifully. Yeah, yeah. It, it's do you take new tyres at yes. your final pit stop or do you not, which was the difference in victory last year because the, McLe- uh, the Mercedes-AMG mm. stayed on their tyres to get track position. They got in front. They got a 30-second lead because they didn't put tyres on. But when it came to the fight, they had absolutely nothing for the raw speed of the Correct. Ferrari, though it would be accurate to say they had nothing for the raw speed of the Ferrari anyway. Um, you go back to 2014, and I mentioned Maxi Book before. Mm. They put new brakes on that car in the final pit stop. So they put new pads in the HCP Motorsport SLS, it was at the time, which allowed him to reel Craig Lowndes in and have a big go around the outside of turn two at the top of Mountain Straight with a lap to go to challenge for the victory. He might not have been able to do that had they not thrown brakes at that car because it stopped a lot better. There are all those little variables that you've got to make the call on. And that's why 
engineers in motor racing these days, the guys and girls calling it from pit wall are, um, are so very good at their jobs, but they've got so much wrestling on it because the driver can just keep the thing pointing in the right right direction and punching out the lap times. It's up to the guys and girls in the pits to go, right, we're going to put tyres on or we're not going to put tyres on. Do we put a full tank in? Do we short fill? Have we got enough mm. to get to the end? There's all these brilliant, brilliant variables that, that the race plays out that oh. you and I and the team try and find a way to explain as it uh, as it all plays out. You said never back back against Craig Lowndes, uh, a car with Craig Lowndes in it uh, uh, on the mountain. Mm. Never back against the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours giving us a run to the flag. I mean, we've not had yep. a, a, a win since I've been there that I think has been more than a handful of seconds. I mean, we've had almost side-by-side finishes in the past. It, yeah. it could well turn out like that this year, whether or not we get the intervention of a safety car near to the end, but it's more likely than not. And really... This is one of the must-watch. This is appointment motor racing. Uh, we'll have full coverage uh, from the early sessions on radio, on Channel RS1, uh, on the player, and then the video will pick up uh, with our colleagues from Seven Sport on Saturday with uh, practice qualifying, and then, of course, the whole race live. And if you're an international viewer, you will have uh, uninterrupted view of that race. Crazy, I can't wait to get down there, mate. It sounds like it's going to be hot in the early part of the, the week. I mean, we talked about weather. Is weather, final word from you, is weather going to be the trump card here for some of the teams? Well, I mean, it could be. We, we've had a very, very hot period right across Australia in early January. And generally when that hot weather breaks for a bit, mm. it is followed by quite heavy rain, especially in the Bathurst region. So there's a real possibility we could have a wet race, but there's always a possibility you could have a wet race at Bathurst. Uh, 2013, your first visit. I remember the look on your face when it started raining towards the end of that, having been 36 degrees in the morning, yep. and we had Noah's Ark-style weather at the end. So yeah, you just never know with that place. Um, it's entirely likely that there could be some rain over the weekend. Uh, Richard Creel will join me and first-timer at the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 Hours, Johnny Palmer in the broadcast booth. It's the usual team down in the pit lane. Mark Beretta will be uh, anchoring it for TV and you'll hear his voice on our uh, airwaves along with Chad Nyland and Shea Adam down in the pit lane as well. Krillsy and I are really looking forward to it. I hope you are too. We've been talking now for just over a stint of the race uh, when we get round to it, and we are no closer to thinking, even narrowing it down to less than a slack handful of cars in any of the classes, and certainly not at the top of the field. I have a strong suspicion that even 11 hours into our coverage, we still won't be any closer to knowing who'll win the 2018 Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours. Thanks to Richard for joining me. Join us when we're live from the mountain. Bye bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.